Hello, welcome to Waldman's Words with Peter Newman and Scott Waldman, which is me and no Emily Burke. I'm recording this intro, this blisteringly cold Los Angeles day, and this is my first actual in-studio guest of the year. So Pete, thank you very much. I'm going to let Pete do, I guess, as best of an intro as possible, but his career is actually probably one of the more unique ones to have on this show, but he works with a lot of people in the entertainment industry and elsewhere, and I think that he's just a really good-hearted guy, and I'm honored to have him on. Basically, Pete, I don't even know if personal trainer does him justice. He's a coach, and he makes people's lives better and more fulfilling and healthier. And I think that we're going to learn a lot from him. In addition, he's really, really freaking witty. So it makes me really happy to have someone like him on. It's definitely a different guest for this show. And next week, I'm actually going to be coming into the studio and doing three, three, three back-to-back sessions. So I'm already exhausted thinking about it. I won't even go into names because... People have been moving around a lot lately, even though I'm booked until around August, September. So I'm just really happy that people want to do the show and hopefully no one bails. Life in LA is crazy. So every single Tuesday night, you could tune into the show at five o'clock Pacific time, which is our time zone in this blistering cold LA weather. It's like 57 degrees, but people here are very, 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 very affected by that. When I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and Long Island, New York, it was way worse. But 5 o'clock Pacific time, the show airs on a Tuesday night. 8 o'clock Eastern time, it airs as well, which is the same thing, so it's not as well. It's like one-ish my time now. I need coffee. That's not good. Sunday mornings bright and early, 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. Eastern time. You can go on the Adobe website, which is just adobe.com. You might even be there right now and stream every single episode. We're in the 120s, folks. Shit is real. Also, you can go on the podcast app, iTunes, download, subscribe to every single episode for 100% free. So that's about it for now. I can't wait for Pete to get into the studio. He is quite a saber tooth, saber tooth fitness. And I think that he's going to have quite a few stories to tell. And this will be the last time I say quite a few in quite a few minutes. So enjoy these ads, enjoy these songs, enjoy yourself, and stick around for Waldman's Words with Pete Newman. All right. We've got our first in-studio guest of the year, Mr. Pete Newman. Thank you. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for having me, Scott. I'm excited. I think that you are going to have a unique story to tell, but tell me about how you're dealing with this awful 57-degree weather in L.A. It's like <laughs> really brutal. I've been wearing a parka, man. Oh, my God. It's been unseasonably cold. That's a really good way to put it. I um, noticed that there's either a lot more or a lot less traffic. It's not moderate. No, it's not, and the rain doesn't help either, right? People drive poorly. They call it tropical storm alert when it drizzles here because people have no foundation for reality, which is why they move here. That's right. 
So I know that you're a staunch uh, pro-Trump supporter, so we can talk about that <laughs> at length. Just kidding. So we're going to start this off with that. So I guess when you were a young boy, I don't even know where you're from or what got you, I guess, into music. You're not a typical music guest, but right. where are you from? Tell me your story. I am from a small town in Kansas called Manhattan. Um, it's actually called the Little Apple, and that's um, it's in the northeast corner of the states where Kansas State University is located. And I was an army brat, um, raised in a mobile home for a bit of time and, you know, stayed there until I achieved escape velocity. And I uh, joined the U.S. Coast Guard. You guys can't see my face when you said that. I know, right? <laughs> and I joined the U.S. Coast Guard to achieve escape velocity and, like, get out of But let's of talk Kansas. about, like, even way before that. So, sure. like, because you said that you actually had a New Wave radio show, but I want to talk about, oh, yeah. like, when you were a kid, what got you into music? I'm not going to say you were watching the Ed Sullivan show what? with the Beatles. Oh, God, it sounds so lame, but my parents had all these Kingston Trio albums that I really happened to like. And um, I, like, sort of, you know, glommed onto their stereos, their, their hi-fi system back in the day, and, um, and built a little system of my own, and would play those. And then um, my best friend across the yard... He had um, he was listening to Sticks in Boston. I saw Sticks with my father in law. Right? Yeah, my first my first concert was Hall and Oates. I'm that old, right? That's a so, good one. <laughs> it was it was for the private eyes tour, as a matter of fact. Well I what's crazy is because, you know, we're in LA, I actually used to teach the uh, manager for Hall and Oates one of his son's guitar. Get and one out. of them I was his tutor. So that's just like that world. I, and I got to see Hall that's and Oates and I was definitely the youngest dude in the audience. Right? That's that's crazy cool. That's yeah. crazy cool. We had a lot of acts kind of come through, you know, Manhattan too. Like we had, you know, I remember Huey Lewis in the news came through and like ate at my restaurant. That was pretty cool. Back sports. Day, right? Yeah. They, <laughs> and it was during, they were doing the sports tour too. Yep. Yeah. It was pretty cool. The, the, the great thing about you on this is that Adobe has a younger audience. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of the bands that they would talk about would be more more current. And right. I don't know if Huey Lewis has ever been mentioned on this I would station. Be shocked, so I'm stoked. Right? I would be shocked. In fact, in fact, most bands I'll mention will probably... Never I love it. Again, right? Keep it coming. Yeah. Uh, have people use their Google. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm sure the band Kansas was pretty big in Kansas. You know, they were. They were. Um, and I think the song... Um, God, what was it? Point of No Return? Was that Sticks or was that... Sticks. Um, it was Mr. Roboto right. and Renegade. Oh, Kansas, Kansas was Gus, Dust, Dust in the, in the wind. wind. Dust Which in the is wind. today. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. I mean, weirdly, um, Kansas wasn't that big a deal in Kansas, right? They were they weren't a Kansas band. Crazy. You know, I think the Kansas bands that we had, uh, I think the Clocks and maybe Steve, Bob, and Rich, and their bands you never heard of. The Rainmakers had one big hit. I heard the Rainmakers. Okay, so the Rainmakers came out of um, Kansas, and they were one of our local bar bands back then. What um like was it close to Topeka or Lawrence? Those it, are the and Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. That. So it was an hour um an hour east of Topeka. And it was about an hour and a half sort of northeast of Lawrence. And Lawrence was kind of the hip liberal culture center. And um, Topeka was not. <laughs> Topeka was not. Topeka was the home of a Goodyear plant. So Topeka was very, very light industrial working class and the state capital. I didn't tell people I was Jewish there. Yeah, yeah. When, when I was on tour there, it was uh, it was a major culture shock there. And then when we went to Lawrence, I was like, right. where, the, where the hell am I? There was a pretty good synagogue in Manhattan. So I was raised with a bunch of Jewish kids. We um, So Manhattan... Who'd um, have thought in Manhattan there'd be a synagogue? Yeah, right. Weird. <laughs> um, uh, no, but Manhattan was kind of a, um, it was a college town. It's where K-State University is. So we had a lot of um, professors' kids. So we had a, a weirdly high amount of diversity for Kansas um, was located there. Good. So that was kind of, you know, fortunate. No, that's good because Topeka was good. not diverse. Yeah, I was the darkest person there. <laughs> so Kansas. So I guess let's talk about 
because I know that the basis of this is fitness based, but mm-hmm. were you real like a high school athlete? Were you? I, I was a swimmer. Okay. Um, you know, my parents didn't want me to um, to play football because I, you know, I had braces and they didn't want to waste that money on orthodontia. Listen, so, a Jewish right? guy just got the MVP at the Super Bowl, <laughs> which crazy. was the first time ever. Holy so. crow! And that guy's got some wheels too. Holy crow! Edelman's fast. He can do it, man. Yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty good for the little Jewish boys was, who were told um, they couldn't do it. I was blown away by that guy's speed. That was nuts. Yeah, no, I was lucky. I just, um, I trained myself and I had, um, you know, had a swimming background. So like no, no impact sports. Okay. Well, swim pack, swim, swim packed. Wow. Yeah. Swimming is a total body core workout yeah. and it's high impact with the water. Sadly, it's frightfully boring. So. Oh yeah. I mean, right. you're, you're, you have a small surface area. Yeah, and weirdly, swimming uh, sort of, you know, made me love music more because um, in order to avoid dying of boredom while doing lap after lap after lap, you would replay music in your head. And you'd so, hum it. Yeah, you'd hum it, and you just like play the music, and you just like have total recall for songs, you know, over and over again, just to avoid the. Um, the Probably TV. the first time total recall has been mentioned on That's here hilarious. too. So it's awesome. That's hilarious. Two it's, weeks. It's crazy <laughs> shit, man. You're just uh, breaking the mold here. Right. So, so you briefly touched upon some service, if you will, yeah. post. So I want to hear about that because thank you. I'm going to shake your oh, hand. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. I'm here. Tell me about it. So I um I wanted to do some good. Um, Socrates, um, you know, he eventually died in prison, right? He could have escaped. His friends were there to break him out, and he said no. Um, and his quote was something along the lines of, um, "If one benefits from living in a society, one is obliged to follow that society's rules." So accordingly, I took it a step farther and said, "If I benefit from the society, and I I do, and I did." I should be a benefit to that society, not just follow its rules, but actually actively contribute. So Selfless. I thought, right, and it seemed like the right thing to do. And I had a, I had a degree, and you know, and it was my physiology, microbiology, biology, and horticulture. I had this sort of, you know, I was didn't know what I wanted to do for a while. Most people don't, right? So I had all these like, you know, this disparate experience. My college roommate was joining the Coast Guard, and I said, well, what do they do? Wait, what? What school was this? This was at Kansas State. Oh, you went right, right? there. So okay. I was, yeah, and um. I think I was 24, and I um I looked at what they did, and I'm like, holy crap, they clean up oil spills. So I thought, well, I could clean up oil spills, and that would be my ticket for that. So I joined with him. I checked my calendar. I had four free years, and um you knew we, then, yeah, off we went, right? And it was kind of cool. I got it in my first duty station, and I imagine my shock being from Kansas, the middle of nowhere. The biggest body of water was a mile wide lake near near me there. And I assumed Coast Guard meant just that, guarding the coast, right? So my um, my sudden shock and dismay was when I realized that most of the Coast Guard was on these big steel boats floating out in the ocean for, you know, months on end. Had you ever spent any time? No. Okay, and, yeah, that would nor, freak the fuck out of me. Nor did I have any desire to be on a floating can with a bunch of dudes for, you know, a month at a time. It seemed super like a, like a super bad way to date. So, um the old school Tinder? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. Well, in that case, you know, close enough. Yeah. Um so I Water. I was yeah, it was brutal. So I um and the Coast Guard was a tough boot camp, but I was lucky enough to be super fit and also I You still are, it. sir. Thank you. And I had learned through doing research, and this was before the internet, so we had to actually look stuff up in the library. But Al Gore invented the internet I long know, before that. Just before I joined. Uh, right? So yeah, I was shit lucky. Wi-Fi. I know, right? <laughs> I was lucky enough to learn that um, the Coast Guard boot camp was competitive, and I looked up what they were competing on, and there was you know some, some schooling, and I knew that, and not tying well, I could do that. I'd sailed before, and it was fitness, and it was all about pull-ups and push-ups, and you know 
running and sit-ups. So like military-like fitness? Military fitness. So I changed my entire training routine to mirror what they're going to test me on. And then I went ahead and scored first in my boot camp class, thank heavens, and I picked... The I put my fists to the air, guys. Right, and I picked the choices billet, which was this isolated rock called the Johnson Atoll. You can look it up on your map if you want to. It's about I'm going to look it up on Google as you It's speak. about 800 miles from the Big Island of Hawaii. It's one of the most isolated specks of dirt on the entire earth, and it's about, a, it's about two and a half miles around. It was a... Um, they were burning all the nerve gas from World War II from the Pacific Theater there, and it had been a, um, a nuclear launch pad as well for, for atmospheric testing in the 60s. Yeah, it says for about 70 years it, yeah. it was under control of the U.S. military. That's right. So I lived there then. It was a neat, secure facility. It was cool. They filmed, um, there was one island near there called Bird Island where they filmed the bird-heavy scenes from the birds. Oh. They went out, it was wildlife, and it was, I mean, thick with birds. Like the, like the air would go black with birds. It was so intense. That's so a scary movie. It was, yeah, it was a scary movie, and it was just bizarro to be there, too. And it was a very cool place to live, and I managed to earn double leave. And, it's Hawaii, you know, I mean. Like I was Hawaii, right? And I also managed to beat all of the Kansas out of myself because I thought that was a place I could go start over if I could just isolate myself on this rock you know, with a, a thousand people. What, was, you lost your accent? Did you have a drawl? No, there's no drawl. There's no, so a lot of newscasters used to come from the Midwest because there's no natural accent there. Um, oh, I any, talk and talk, I know. Yeah, right. Any accent there is an affectation, generally for the more rural folks trying to sound more, sound, trying to sound more Southern, right? And more agricultural. Um, but there's a, it's a really neutral accent. This is a Kansas accent. It's just middle, middle of nothing there. Mm -hmm. But I sort of just wanted to, you know, reinvent myself. And I just did a lot of reading and just... A lot of walking and walking and thinking, right? So when I came out, I joined. I went to Seattle next, and you know, I went to Seattle to, because Seattle was luckily the dirtiest port in the nation that wasn't Mississippi or Alabama. So I went there, and I thought Seattle was kind of cool. And um, Seattle's you know, really cool. It is cool for about you know the first year, and after a while, you get tired of getting rained on. I mean, not to bash Seattle, I spent ten years. No, there. I get it. It rains there. I'd say too much. Nine nine out of ten days. My but first six months there, I saw sunlight two days and I saw sunlight for two days just like two like to partial sunlight even right it was nuts when were you living there like what year just I so was I have there a... from 88 through no I was there from 89 through 99 okay so just after Dukakis lost just after Dukakis <laughs> lost but just as Pearl, Pearl Jam was coming along we were just listening to him literally in here right now right yeah right? that was I that was my pick someone oh, and said what? what do you listen to in middle school oh yeah well that was kind of you know that was they were they were just there right yep um one mother of the, love bone one of the, yeah right yeah um supersonic soul pimps those guys used to i don't even know who they are okay they were amazing and the guys that were really amazing was um was black happy they um turned into shovel jerk later on they were out of um Cordray. i've heard black happy i, I don't black really know black happy used to freaking rage in fact a friend of mine was the light guy there and it was like partying in hell it was a wall of horns and it was just so funky. Bonkers. It was, yeah, it was so funky. I was there for, you know, their last show, too. It was actually tearful uh, when they when they left the stage Sad there. funk. Right? Now, one of the coolest things I just remembered that I experienced, um, and you can look this one. This is actually, you can, I'll look it you up can as we're here. You can document this one. Um, I forget her last name. I was working um, on an oil spill drill in Anacortes, Washington, and there were a bunch of at-risk youth there. Um and I was sort of managing these kids um, for deployment of various equipment and all that. And they were sort of there because, you know, they were troublemakers. And I remember hanging out with these kids one night. And one of, their, one of the, um, the gals' names was a little redhead girl. Her name was Kathy. And she was, you know, kind of a troubled kid. 
but she was kind of a cool girl. And I was just, you know, just kind of be like palling around with these kids here. And she told me this story about this band that she hung out with at Olympia. And she said, well, the, this, the, Nirvana. the, the lead singer, <laughs> the lead singer was like this super cute guy. And because girls her age, like 16 year olds were all over him, she wrote on their wall, Kurt smells like teen spirit. Now, mind yeah, blown, m- mind blown. And it turns out if you look her up, that's Kathy. That's the lead singer of Bikini Kill. Oh, Kathleen so, Hanna. Yeah. So, so and she, they're doing shows now. Yeah. So she went on to like, you know, front of front of band afterwards as well, which is super friggin cool. They're playing the Palladium. They're doing a right. tour. Wow. Would she know who you are? You think I, I sincerely doubt it. I doubt, I doubt she made the impression on, um, I, I doubt I made the impression on her. You never know, man. But you know, yeah. Wow, Bikini Kill, that's right? random. I mean, yeah. I'm more of a Nirvana guy. No, I, dis- that... I discovered it later. Like, holy crap, I know that girl, right? Yeah, it was pretty nutty. I'll go into a sleepaway camp story, and then I want to talk about, I guess, your move right here. On. But um, I went to camp with this young kid named Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> I, he went to my camp. And, right. And um, at the camp that I went to, I went there because they had wrestling and circus. Yeah. But I actually um, got into playing music. Mm-hmm. So I was basically... People said I was the second best in the camp next to this wow. guy, Jack Antonoff. Do you know that name? No, I should. He's in a band called Fun. He's in oh, a yeah, group yeah, called yeah. Yeah. He writes yeah, yeah. songs for Adele, Taylor Swift right. now. So it's right. like Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Antonoff combined could buy the world. Oh, it's a crazy. That's crazy, so crazy shit. Right? So I guess tell me about your post-Riot Girl days in yeah. uh, Washington. When did you come out here? I came out here for a um, a job. I was working for a company. This this is I, I ended up working in internet stuff, and I was running a couple of um, just after it was invented. Yeah, just uh, pretty much. Yeah, so just um, I was running Metacrawler and Dogpile, um, a, just sort of a circuitous career path. But I was running these two meta search engines before Google existed, and it kind of crawled everything. Mm-hmm. There were all these fragmented or balkanized search engines, and they all had part of the internet. Or right, they, like they, Yahoo. Yeah, like Yahoo, Lycos, all that stuff, right? Um, Mama. And, um, Mama. And some clever guy named Oren Etzioni at the University of Washington thought, well, would it be cool to like search everything at once and then pull it onto one page? And that was called MetaSearch. So the company I worked with hired me to run MetaSearch for them, and I... Different than Coast Guard, right? Different than Coast Guard. Um, it really called to my college because I was sort of reviewing how MetaSearch worked one day, and I thought, eh, let me just look at this raw data. And I discovered I could predict how people would click on a page, and based on that, I was able to discover that there was a stuff called paid search. And, you know, I found some companies to work with, and a, and a paid search company, long and short, hired me once I had discovered them. And they, because I, I knew everybody because the internet was small back then, I had a pretty good Rolodex, and they... Um, they yanked me down to Santa Monica to work. We had an office over um, at Sixth and Broadway, that little black cube there. Okay. So I was, um, you know, I was there for a year, and I'm. Um, what year was this? This was back in like uh, 2000, 99, 2000. Okay, so I so just a frame of reference. Yeah. I'm I'm 38 in right a few weeks. Right. I moved here in 2003, okay. so 99. I was a senior in high school, about right. to go to college. Right. Right. Okay. So th- yeah, things were still pretty primitive back then, right? So, I mean, this is just before digital downloading. Yeah, exactly. And this is um then you, you could find music online still. So I was doing all the music search and stuff, and then um. You know, there was this inter- this dot com crash. We consolidated. I went to Florida for a while, and we're I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it was the newlywed and the nearly dead. It's God's <laughs> waiting room. Yeah, that's what we call it. Yeah. Oh my God, uh, it was. 
brutal. Yeah, and they fuck up elections too. Yeah, they really do. Like <laughs> professionally, though. I mean, like they don't don't they don't just mildly fuck them up. They completely fuck them up in a way that there's no unfucking them. No, right? no, no. The, yeah. There's there's no one. You you can't be a born again virgin with that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So that was funny. And then eventually I came back here. So a couple jobs later, and um, I took a role here. Some some dot com, and then I end up working at the Yellow Pages for a while. That uh, yellowpages dot com. But were was... you very? A- I mean, because I obviously know what you do now, and I briefly yeah. t- were you very still active with your um, Coast Guard routine? Like, what were you doing? Oh no! So I had um, weirdly I had um, I had started reviewing cheeseburgers um, as fuck? a sideline, right? <laughs> so so th- cool business trick, right? People like to eat, right? And if people are eating, um, that means that their weapons, their fangs, and their claws are otherwise engaged, right? So my business trick was to call people in various cities and say, hey, I'm coming out to your city when I, when I meet with you. Um, surely you've got a favorite burger, right? Everyone's got a favorite burger, right? Um, and that was, and I said, I'm, I'm trying, trying to, you know, find the best burger in America, right? So everyone would take me to their favorite burger place. We'd bond over that. Um, eventually, a coworker said, why don't you create a blog? So we did. And it's called the burger. It was called the Burger Review, and it was the number one ranking this up. burger that's, review that's um, awesome. site on Google, Yahoo, and Bing. Weirdly, right? And it was just you know, kind of a business trick. Um, and then a production company located me from my burger review work, wanted to do a pilot, and um, I'd been working out pretty well. And they, this is they, fucking crazy. I didn't know any of this. It's silly. <laughs> and they wanted and they wanted a ripped military look for it. And there's um, it's called a show called the Burger Busters. And there's a there's a on YouTube somewhere. There's a there's trailers for this thing. We shot it. We shot it. We shot a pilot, and did um and did trailers for you the show. You want to destroy the stigma that it's like not just fat asses. That's that right. Eat the That's right. They wanted this sort of agro boot camp, you know, um, burger reviewer. So um. And I thought that was kind of cool, and that was kind of my way into fitness. And so accordingly, I had to create a diet where I would gain muscle, get ripped, and not die. So I did Three that. Three important things. Right, and I did that, and I created a workout routine around that as well for myself, which was you know, sufficiently hostile to achieve those things. And once I'd done that, well, the show didn't go anywhere. And I thought, well, now I've got all this crazy newfound fitness, and I've been doing because I did a ton of research. But how, yeah, like that's how I was going to ask. How? Where did you look? Oh like, my god, I did so much research, and you just have to like you know dig and dig and dig. And I discovered HIIT, and this was way back. This is back in two thousand, and you know, two, this is back in two thousand. Mm-hmm. So I discovered HIIT and SMIT. And then I was trying to create a Can diet. Can you say what those are? Sure. It's um, high-intensity interval training, which we're, we're all aware of, right? And then there was supra-maximal interval training, which is Tabata, which is named for a guy named Izumi Tabata in Japan. He's a professor um, of physiology, and you can look that one up too, right? No, anyway, no, I appreciate that's the that's how they, And that's how, they train, um, that's how they train speed skaters, right? Is this 20, on, 20 seconds on, balls out, 100%, 100% plus um, act, um, you know, level of um, intensity, 10-second rest eight, eight times in a row, and it just slays you. And it generally requires active, you know, active coaching, unless you're a maniac like I was and you can just make yourself do it. And if you do it, um, you will change your body. It's like it's it's like Fight Club in a, in a boot camp, right? right. It's re- it just it, it just makes without you hard. Without the soap. Without the soap, that's right. It makes – without the crime, but it makes you hard. Um, that's and, what she said. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Um, and that's how I got there, right? So I created a, and then I created a nutrition plan around that as well before I knew what paleo was. So I reinvented paleo, but with beans. And um, I've been on it ever since. And once I kind of cracked the code, I discovered like, well, this works. And this works on lots of people. I started trying it on friends. I tried it on my kid. 
I um, you didn't even talk about that. So kid, like oh yeah, I've family. Got a, got a, I've got a almost sixteen year old son. We're going for um, we're going to Germany from for spring for spring breaks. So he can get his first. He can order his first beer on his own. Oh, that's awesome. In Germany, you can actually order beer yes. in the bar when you're sixteen. So we're gonna that's that's our big plan right there so far. They ask for a high school student ID. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so he'll have a, he'll have a passport for that. But yeah, having cracked that that fitness code, I am um, I just got after it, and then I thought, well, I sort of owe it to the world, uh, you know make it better. So I, I mean, I was kind of my reason for being anyway, I was trying to, you know, improve things. I mean, granted, I took a, took a break and I tell people buy stuff they didn't need, like in search. And I thought, it's eh, not great. So I decided to get back to my roots and, um, start boot camps. And I started boot camps. And I did it for free for a while uh, just to hone my craft to make sure. What that, year was this? And then we're going to take this a short was break. Like 2000 to 2003. Okay. I'm sorry. No, like 2000, this is like 2010 to 2013. I started doing boot camps and just holding. But you had no idea you were going to go into something like this whatsoever. I, no, it was a side hustle, right? But your side hustle should be your, should become your real hustle, right? right. Like always have a side hustle and always focus on making that side hustle your next thing, right? So, that was my side hustle, thank God, because it was the, the best thing. I've well, ever that's done. how we met. So that's right. I guess we're going to take a short break. I guess if you have an adjective to describe the uh, past 22-ish minutes of your life, what would you say? Bumpy. I'll take it. All right. I mean, I, I've never been told that about my body before. So <laughs> we're going to take a short break with um, Mr. Peter Newman in the uh, few minutes. You can... Go to the restroom, you can listen to these ads, you can listen to these songs, and um, try to be healthy while eating a burger. Stick around. So in the short break we took, we were just talking about the merits of Marco Rubio, hashtag kidding. So we're back. So you're in LA, and you've got this side hustle. Was Mm -hmm. Sabretooth involved with that, or was it just Pete... I lift shit and put it down. Like, what was it? That was, uh, it was just me like doing boot camps on Meetup, you know, and just saying, hey, here's a free boot camp to try out because I was just trying to see, you know, if I could get. So I was testing a couple hypotheses, right? Because I created this super hard, you know, super effective workout. Um, but the question is, would a civilian do it, right? Um, I love that you say civilian. You know, and because it really is, you know, something that you have to be forced to do. Um, so, I was it's not ask- easy. I can yeah, tell you yeah, that. Yeah, right? And I was asking myself, you know, will regular people do this? Um, number one, will they will they come back more than once and do it? Will they thrive the same way that, that I and my, my ilk did? And then will they form a social community around that, right? Because I thought that would be an interesting thing to do is would create a, create a family around that, mm-hmm. right? So I started – Community exper- and marketing. Yeah, so I started experimenting. In fact, we actually call the – we actually call it our fitness family. That's part of our – our branding, right? It's our fitness family because we. It's, if you come three times, your family. The first time you come, you're a victim. The second time, you're a lunatic. The third time, you're family. Okay. So, and we have a pretty poor retention rate. The workouts, the, the advanced workouts, are hard, and it's about four percent of the people that come to it make it three times because it is. You know, it's not a thing you're going to come and slay the first time. You're going to get your your head caved in. No, the beginner workout I can tell you is rough. Right. I'm technically family as someone who did it three times. That's so right. That's right. You are family. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so but so you're doing this on Meetup and yeah. you're just building awareness. I'm building awareness. I'm building a following. I'm building sort of a, a core a base of people that I can so number one, I've people I can train with too, because you know, at a certain point you want to train with people because steel sharpens steel. So I'm trying to attract athletes and maniacs like myself that we can all train together and, you know, and sort of make each other better because mm-hmm. being the best guy 
on the track doesn't make you better, right? You've never seen, for instance, you've never seen Usain Bolt run as fast as he can, right? He's never been challenged. So this guy's always, he's always slowed a step before he crossed the line and looked over his shoulder. We don't know how fast that guy can run. And um, that's scary. You don't want to be there, right? You want to have someone who's better than you that you have to chase down too, right? So we, um, you know, seeking athletes that would, I could, that I could um, encourage and I could challenge that would challenge me as well. So that's, you know, that's how we got the advanced boot camps. And they are the toughest thing in Los Angeles, right? In fact, we, um, we applaud, we applaud vomiting, right? So if someone pukes, the whole, the whole group stops and applauds, right? And that's considered the hardest worker of the group right there. So that's kind Proof of... Proof in the pudding? That's our palm wonderful moment. Exactly. Right? Wow. We, we, call it making, we call it making pizza because of the splat and the, um, the toppings. You're, the you're, you're preaching to the choir. Right. So I guess working out in Los Angeles... Tell me about the kinds of people besides like managers and radio right. show hosts that you have. I mean, you have to go into specifics and oh, then no. I want to talk yeah. about how you, you're full time. Well, it's crazy because um, I was doing some evaluation of my, my call the clientele of, of the boot campers, right? And it occurred to me, I've got tons of PhDs in there. I've got a whole, I've got a, you know, I've got an ophthalmic neurosurgeon who travels the world lecturing, right? Wow. I've got a veterinarian. I've got the head of digital for CBS, you know, which is super cool. This guy actually remastered all the Star Trek episodes, right? And he's a super nerd. He's got like, you know, Star Trek models at home, right? With Star Trek nerds? Yeah, right? What? And And the coolest thing, he was there when they redid the, um, the Star Trek theme with the opera singer there. He was in the room. Wow. And that's kind of like, um, what was that? Oh, it was just such a such a meta moment for this guy because Star Trek sort of turned him into the nerd he was and then he got to re-engineer Star Trek, right? Which is fucking amazing. Yes. I'm like, you were there for that? Holy shit, right? So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, lots High of, five your teenage self. Exactly, exactly. Hit your teenage self. Teenage I have music self, moments no. like that right. now. And, and That's right. I mean, I'm never too cool for that. No, no, you're never too cool. No. Um, and so it's a lot of, it's a lot of doctors, lawyers, um, CEOs, entrepreneurs, um, people that are really successful, what I discovered is that successful people finish difficult tasks. So no matter how Sisyphean or Promethean a task I set before I love these those folks, words. right? Oh, I do too, right? How, <laughs> I have a BA in English. There you go. So however monstrous a task I put before them, they will complete it um, because that's what successful people do. And they didn't, they don't, they came there to get better, right? And, um, and no one forced just, them. No one forced them, right? And sometimes I'll laugh at them and go, I'm like, I can't believe you guys came here voluntarily, right? Because this is just going to suck. And, um, and they do it, right? Mm -hmm. And it's fantastic. There's a huge difference between a sadist and a masochist. And I'll let the people right. listening decide which one you are. <laughs> but I do it with them. So, yeah. yeah. No, I'm it's not, true. So I'm not super smart. So A self-serving one? That's know. right. That's right. Both. But uh, tell me about some of the other, because we're in LA. I bet if you were doing this out in uh, Kansas, first of all, you wouldn't be able to do it literally on the Pacific Ocean. Right. And second of all, the people from all walks. Oh, it's fantastic. Now, for one thing, our gym has dolphins, right? So, you know, I mean. So sick. What a, I mean, we, we, we saw a pair of whales, like a mother and ch baby whale, 50 yards You off shouldn't the beach. call your clients whales. I know, really right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it was crazy. We see whales frolicking in the surf. We've got dolphins. We've got seals. It's just it's so cool, right? There was That's an osprey. Insane. There was this morning. There was an osprey perched on the pole above mm. our workout. That was bonkers, just absolutely bonkers. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of a rare, cool place to be. And you know, we get the usual, you know, 
TV folks there too. Like we've had a former, we've had a like a former, I think Miss California there. That makes sense. We've got a host of a really long um, running um, adventure um, contest show that shows up quite a bit, and his wife, who's like a serious cycling athlete. Mm-hmm. We get some musicians. Um, God, what's his name? Andrew Keoghan. He's played with Crowded House at some point, I think, or Split Ends. Not sure. Um, but... He's a he's a pretty big deal in Australia, and um, he's a fun guy to train with. Super tough. I mean, you got to be to live in Australia, right, among the wallabies. Right. I've got, and yeah, my Australians are just nutty tough too. They're um, they have a broken quit switch, right? So yeah, you have to be fucking nuts to live there. Special kind of stubborn there. <laughs> well, you didn't really go into this because I remembered you saying this in the break. New wave radio yeah. show. I want to hear about that because. That's the sh- the shit I love. Oh God, I was so lucky. Um, living in Kansas, there was like fuck all to do, right? Right. I was like nineteen or twenty, and um, I had this roommate. Her name was Rhonda, and she just had this amazing taste in music. And she got all these you know, these Brit pop magazines, like and- Enemy. Yeah, like that, yeah. right? And we, she would just bring stuff home, like you know, Kaja Gugu and Naked Eyes and all this, you know, all this cool stuff, right? And you know, accordingly, I had a pretty had mastered quite a collection as well. And um, during the breaks, the DJs from the college radio station, like probably listenership of like four people, and the broadcast radio for like fifty feet, right, like about the size of this room, um, they had volunteer DJs coming in, and I volunteered the hell out of that. And I would just bring a, I would honestly bring a crate of records, right, to the um in my little records, car, right. I'm a vinyl file. A so. absolute crate of records with me, and I would just instead of playing the radio station's format, I would just play whatever I wanted to. So I would spend two hours just playing my music and talking on the radio, and it was kind of fantastic. It's pretty fun. Right? I don't even play music, but I love just the fact that I can come in here and just gab oh, with someone like you. It was the best. It's it was pretty just fun. Cool. Yeah. Oh, well, you're good at it. I mean, you're articulate, and you use words with more than three syllables. <laughs> I have to look them up, though. So So I guess you're talking to someone who's a mother of two, and they just have never, ever been fit, at least haven't had some real regime since phys ed. Sure, sure. What would you do? Do you help with dieting? Do you Uh, help with, like, where do you... Everything. I love those people. They have no bad habits built yet, right? I've got or their life is a bad habit. I've got one guy, and the first day I saw him, he couldn't do four push-ups, right? Wow. In his fifties, couldn't do four push-ups. Just you know, and by the end of the workout, and he was dying. Right? We we're doing almost nothing. But what I do with people like that, and and now uh, he's going to do the Malibu Triathlon this year. That's right? insane. A year later, he's doing the Malibu Triathlon. He lost 100 pounds. Right? 100 pounds? 100 pounds. How he, often does he go to you? Um, he was with me three days a week, and his goal was to get good enough for the boot camps, right? And now he's with me like six days a week. But wait, so 100 like, pounds? 100 pounds. He was on keto as well. Um, I mean, uh, diet and exercise. Yeah, that, yeah he, we, so we get, we get lean in the kitchen, and we get fit in the gym, right? So you train yourself fit, you eat yourself lean. But what, 100 pounds, like what, what was he like, 300 pounds? He or? was a big fella. Oh, my God. Had some work to do, right? So with someone like that, um, it's baby steps. You start out slow. You go at their pace, but you challenge them, right? And you don't take it easy on them, right? You um, you have to, So the key is to keep people at their limit, right? No matter how, how good they are or how bad they are, you make sure they're at their performance limit because you want them to become accustomed to being uncomfortable. Discomfort has to become a habit. And once you get that... Then you realize that, of course, it's going to suck. The trick is not minding so much. 
So if you can get them to embrace that suck, being tolerant, yeah, just tolerate it, right? right. Because it's you trust your you um you know you trust your recovery, and you maintain integrity. And if you can do that and it becomes a habit, um, somebody, some clever Roman guy said, or maybe he's a Greek guy, um, said we Turkish. are we are what we do repeatedly. Therefore, excellence is a habit. Okay. Right. And I think it was um what saw it was maybe Aristotle uh, to do is to be right. So if you do excellent things... I just know I think therefore I am. Yeah, right? But if you perform with integrity, then you are a person of integrity, right? So you just keep practicing integrity there. And yes, I do work on a lot of dietary consulting with them. Um, is that separate or is that involved with... Cause that's like, part of, so if I'm training you personally, then... Oh, one-on-one I, training? I'm, I'm, I'm in your life, right? I may go to your house and clean out your fridge. Um, I, you know, I, I become part like of your Like Marie Kondo? Yeah, kind of <laughs> like that, right? I will, I will inquire as to your sleep every time I see you. I will check in what you're eating. I that's will ask, great. I will, get a, I will ask you to take a picture of your fridge. Um, and I even have an app where I have people take a picture of their fridge. So I have people on two instances of a you know, digital challenge right now, people I'm never going to meet, they're in Boston or wherever. And that works too, because it creates this sort of virtual accountability, right? And then they, and they also have, and once again, because of the importance of the social network, I have a, it's the, the app is somewhat social as well. So they talk to each other and mm-hmm. they're rewarded for actually talking to each other, which creates this nice bond of support. And too. a community, I mean, that's, I mean, community matters. I right. definitely don't like seeing 10 gazillion mirror selfies from some people. Right. But if that's what they need to do to right. hold themselves accountable, power Bingo. to them. That's right. No, so so everyone's got their own reason, right? right? So it's, you know, and part of the part of your job as a trainer is to discover what their reason is, right? And then to embrace that. If you're and if your reason was to be strong enough to kill a guy, I would embrace that reason long enough to get you where you need to be, right? Right. Or maybe have some chats along the way and try yeah. to, like, you know, talk you out Psychological of Psychological evaluation. Right, but, I you did know, Krav Maga. Yeah, there you go, exactly. <laughs> that shit's nuts. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I know. I am a jitsu and Jew. Right? That is, Krav Maga is tough, man. It's, would... it's Israeli defense training. They don't fuck around. No, they don't. They don't. And they, it's just dirty fighting, It's too. it's It actually is. I know. It's, it's like gouging. And... Yeah, I know. It's, it's someone's not going to breathe very well at the end of that, right? Yep. They, yeah. they train the um, L.A. police force with it. Right? Yep. Yeah. So anyway, uh, where were we? I forgot. Well, we were just talking about if someone was going to be a, a oh, killer. Yeah. Oh, so no, so <laughs> we, we want to teach all the kids listening to be killers. That's right. That's right. We were talking about what people, what what we do with people, and we give them, and I do give them a, a, a nutrition plan too, right? So everyone gets a, a customized nutrition plan. We figure out what their, I don't care about their BMI, I care about their BMR, their basal metabolic rate. So I. Calculate. What is that exactly? It's how many calories you burn sitting around just being alive. Okay. So your basal mel- metabolic rate is what it takes to keep you idling all day. Okay. Like how much gas would you burn if you – so if you had your – so it's your car. If your car was running all day just sitting there not driving, um, you would measure how much gas it was in the, in the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, and that would be – your car's basal metabolic rate would be that many gallons per day, right? Okay. Humans have the same thing, but the unit of energy there is a calorie, and there's a pretty simple online way to figure that out. And then you add some. Um, I'm learning a lot. Some fudge factors for them, based upon or some constants. Well, fudge you will raise your caloric. That's content. right. That's right. But you'll um you'll add some factors there to account for their activity level, and then you discover that's your daily calorie requirement to maintain your current status, right? And if you're happy with where you are, then we keep your calories there. If you want to be smaller, then we decrease your calories by a thousand a day, so you can lose two a safe two pounds a week. And if you want to gain weight, we figure that out too. We muscle you up and add more protein. 
So everyone gets a different sort of, you know, routine. But are these usually more geared to the one-on-ones or like the, the, like a saber tooth class? Sometimes anybody there were like 10 people a, there. Anybody that wants to die gets one. I'm wow. happy to consult with that. It takes me, it's, I'm so happy to provide because if people eat right, they'll train right, they'll get better. And that's good for everybody, right? Because and it's good advertising for you. It's great advertising for me because then you'll socialize the, um, the, the experience and you'll send your friends, right? You know, there's, there, it's just nothing better than referrals because you want people to be happy and be delighted with their results, right? That's more important than anything. I want people to glow when they walk away because if they glow and they're healthy, um, that's better than being hungry and hollow, right? And because no one wants to feel that way. We've all starved ourselves. It's just fucking stupid, yeah, right? It's a nightmare. You should feed yourself. And I encourage people to eat because you, if you're, you've, I've never seen a race car set a record with an empty tank. Right, so you've got to you got to fuel yourself up. Yeah, no, I mean, I I don't like the LA diet of nothing. No, so. it's it's crazy. It's unhealthy. It creates the biggest loser effect, which is where people crash the weight off and they crush their metabolisms and they actually decrease their metabolic rate and then they tend to, the weight tends to creep on more easily over time. Very easily. Yeah, which is just catastrophic. It's and a quick fix. Then you can't live your life, right? No, I mean yeah. you're not living. Right. So I guess with the remaining little bit left, do you have any um well. It's a pretty freaking inspirational story of the guy who lost 100 pounds, but do you have any others you'd like to share? Um, there's just a bunch of them like that, right? It's kind of regular. I, I mean, mean, that's amazing. Right. I had I had one guy who was um, on my app. I was training a, a, a cohort of people from Safe Light Auto Glass Repair, and he was in like South Carolina, right? Okay. I never met the guy. And we were sort of consulting back and forth um, over email. And he had some, you know, he had some issue, and he'd lost like 50 pounds in the, the first two months there. And he had some issue. That's with, a lot. He had some issue with dizziness, and we were sort of getting down to it. And if I came down to, are you still on your blood pressure medication? He goes, Yeah. I'm like, Well, that stuff that's killing you. Go to your doctor, right? So it turns out his blood pressure was no longer a problem. So he's taking statins and blood pressure medication that he no longer needed because he'd he'd killed all the fat. So they took him off his off his meds, and sure enough, he felt fine again there. So that was kind of you a, doctored it. Yeah. Right. And um, his before and after is great. Like he went from you know you know, kind of un- unhappy looking, unhealthy to a dude with abs, you know, abs and veins, right? Just like that. That's insane. Yeah. I love it when they try hard, right? When they really get it and they decide they're worth it, then they really take off. And that was a... It's doable. It's totally doable, right? It's totally doable. And I, you know, I get to train some really, you know, cool, fun people and it's just fun to watch them get better. And you can sort of watch them physically change their change who they are right mm-hmm. um, you see sort of beta males become alpha males and have to navigate those waters as well because once you feel um once you're strong you become confident and competent right and with that comes a different different kind of behavior and um it's just fun to watch them like navigate that new that new that new space as well well i guess how can they navigate your space how do people get a hold of you how do people know what's going on with your programs sure it's easy you could go to i just have i have a new site as a matter of fact it's sabertoothfitness.com um i'm on instagram i'm on facebook um there's a facebook group a facebook page a a website um you could just call me should i give my cell phone out uh you can i don't know if they'll call but if you want to call me i'm at 239 do the text right (laughs) then then text me i'm at 239-822-8447 that's two that's his number guys i'm just saying yep 239-822-8447 and just reach out and let me know what you want. Let me know what you want, right? Um, I'm in West LA and I'm happy to help. And when are your sessions? Sessions every single day of the week. Some days too. There is a Monday, Wednesday, Friday at six a.m. and seven a.m. and that's um, Venice Beach, where Rose Avenue bumps into the big wet thing. 
Um, there's a class at Penmar Recreation Center at Rose and 23rd. That's every Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. Um, and just call me or text me if you if you find a the location there. It's at the corner of the, the corner of the park. There's one at the Lincoln Middle School track, which is over on Washington Avenue and um, like 16th in Santa Monica. Um, and that's every Thursday night at 6.30. And then there is a advanced class on the beach which every yet to do right every saturday morning and it's, it's it, it will crush you and it's awesome to try um that's six that's um 8 30 and that's every saturday morning where navy court meets the water just about one tower away from the venice class and then there's one of the santa monica stairs the top of the wooden stairs every sunday morning at 8 a.m what would you say is the most popular class that you have um the beach class is the most popular whereas the stairs class is considered the hardest class uh, the track class is great, too. Um, lots of great runners come out for that one. And we do 100s, 200s, 400s, and 800s, and that's a lot of fun. Holy if you, cow. If you like running. Right? I don't. So <laughs> we're just going to discuss, I didn't in the intro, the next bunch of guests. Next week, I have to come in, well, I choose to, for three consecutive shows. And we've got Troy Asanoff, who does a lot of tech behind the scenes. So maybe he might have a little bit in common with the old Pete. <laughs> Um, we've got um, Archie uh, Ravi Shankar, who is in the tech space as well. I, I guess it's a tech year. My buddy Adam Snyder is his publicist, and Ravi anything. Shank- Ravi you know Shankar's an NPR all the time. Yeah, he's great. Oh, he's, oh, he's super freaking smart. Well, there you go. Oh, you're gonna love it. Yeah, um, I, I'm getting legit persons. You're gonna love talking to him. He's really, really smart. Yeah. Well, I like talking to dumb people in LA so much. <laughs> and then uh, we've got. Um, Ashley Tribley, who is an artist manager in upstate New York. I don't know if she knows Archie, but she seems really nice, and she's also working the I Matter Fest. And you matter, Pete. So fist bump. Fist bump, indeed. Every single Tuesday, 5 o'clock Pacific time, 8 o'clock East Coast time. In addition, Sunday mornings bright and early before Pete's workout, actually, at 5 a.m. Pacific time. Wow. 8 a.m., Eastern Time, the show reruns. You can go on adobe.com and uh, stream every single episode. You can also go on the podcast app on iTunes and download every episode. Subscribe. It is all free. And the adjective that I would use right now is fulfilled. (laughs) So I'm a happy boy. Thank you so much, Pete. Thanks for having me. That was so much fun.